0: Well, Rob, thanks so much for coming off to Cleveland. Well,
1: thank you so much. Good afternoon. It was uh, it was either Cleveland or London, and uh, I chose you guys. You
0: uh, pick Cleveland uh, or London. I don't know how many people would do that.
1: Yeah. Well, you know, I'm, you did. I'm I'm a, I'm a Cleveland, uh, Ohio native, so I always like to come back back home.
0: So that's awesome. Well, thanks so much for being here. Um, super excited to chat with you today. Um, you've been with uh, Coca Cola for over 30 over 40 years almost right yeah 40 years so i imagine you've been through it all how have you really seen uh cola evolve over the last couple of years you know i don't know if you want to go all the way back to the to the start but just how have you guys as an organization transportation evolved and and grown really
1: well i'll try and condense 40 some years of experience (laughs) into about 15 minutes but um been in the supply chain my whole career, and I've done so many different fun activities uh, between supply, demand, customer service, warehousing, manufacturing. Transportation has always been my passion, and I was fortunate enough about 2017, after one of our major restructurings, to reinherit inherit the transportation group, and it needed a little bit of attention at the time, um, and I was told to go ahead and, and just fix transportation, and mm-hmm. um, because it it would needed an overhaul, uh, and that really gave me the opportunity to assess what people did we have, what technologies, what were our processes, what was our relationships with our carrier partners, and we we started on a slow journey uh, in that 1718 time period to build out what what I consider is a very robust transportation process, um, almost best in class in terms of you know our capabilities and our relationships with our our carrier partners.
0: yeah. Yeah, as a, as a shipper of choice and, and as you have built that strong foundation, our industry has gone through ups and downs, right? As, as we all know, over the last couple of years, um, through volatile times, some slower times. How do you prepare for that? How do you make sure your team is prepared, right? You lay the foundation, but how do you prepare for it that in the moment, right, you don't fall back into bad habits, um, but you're leveraging those new technologies? How, how do you empower your team to do that?
1: Yeah, well, believe it or not, when, when I was given the task, I didn't have a plan. But uh-huh. <laughs> I I, I, no, I didn't have a plan. I was like, all right, what am I going to do? Uh, so I, I just kind of looked around and I looked at, um, yeah, we had some technologies. They needed a little bit of refreshing and um, didn't have a whole lot of insights into market intelligence at the time. And it seemed like everybody else was in the room was smarter than I was. <laughs> uh, so I was like, Good thing. Oh, yeah, no, not really. <laughs> no, so I, I got to change that paradigm. Um, and then the, the folks that I had on the team, um, we we really started with a small team for such a large business. So we looked at what was the talent base that we needed to start to to grow that. Now our team even today for what is Coke North America, which is the the non-carbonated side, side of the business, we don't have a whole lot of people, but we rely a lot on the technologies and the processes and the relationships that we've established. Now I'm I'm spinning off the Coke, you know, company in about seven days, and you know next week is my last week, but we have taken, um, I've taken all of the things that I've kind of accumulated over the years. I've archived it. I've I've trained the younger team members on, this is why we do stuff. Here's how numbers should be interpreted. Here's how you develop a long-range planning strategy. And we've got some very talented young people coming in. And, and quite honestly, it was, it was time for me to get out.
0: <laughs> I don't know if they would agree. but No,
1: no, it's, yeah, I've been, for the last couple of years, I'm going, I'm having a lot of fun, but I need to get out of the way to let, to let younger or you know younger organization flourish.
0: What did you tell that younger generation when it comes to competing priorities? Um, in in, in fast paced times, competing priorities are a thing in all right, the divisions, departments, but spe- specifically in our um, industry supply chain, when there's competing priorities, how do you make sure? that um, that everyone around you, you can get everyone's buy-in around you um, to understand that an initiative specific to supply chain is is key to address right now.
1: Yeah, I think the, the main thing is that you have to tie in and keep the customer first. So for us, it's all about getting that promise to the customer yeah. delivered on time and, and in full. So OTIF has become a big buzzword in the industry in the last four or five years. And we take it seriously. Um, Sometimes we can't do as much as we'd like to in terms of the in-full piece because that's a little bit upstream of us with our demand and supply and manufacturing folks. But the on-time is where we really want to focus. So whatever we did get on the truck, we want to make sure that we're, we're focused on getting it to that customer. And if we do fall short, why did we fall short? Did we not give the carrier enough time to move it? Was there a delay at the dock? Um, learn from it and then apply going forward. We keep some very stringent metrics on on on-time performance and we start to analyze where did we fail and could we do a better job? Um, Because we don't want... One thing I told our, our folks is that, you know, when our commercial people go in and talk to our customers, I don't want them defending the honor of the supply chain. Sure. I'd like them to go in and be able to sell new products in. And the one way to do that is to make sure that the service is at a level where it's not going to be part of the conversation. Um, I've been on many customer visits and, you know, they'll basically say, hey, the reason you, you guys are here is that you're to sell new products is that we're not bringing you in to talk about your poor service. And, and that's always nice to hear from major retailers that we're doing it perhaps a little bit better than others.
0: Yeah. And, and you mentioned it earlier. You said technology is a huge part. Right, of building that resilient structure and foundation. Um, what have you done in that? What have you done in that space, and how do you see that evolve for the next couple of years with your departure and your team taking over?
1: Yeah. Um. Anybody have what I consider a, a, a technology Frankenstein stack, <laughs> where you've had all kinds of different divergent techs sitting on top of each other, and you hope that they all work together? Uh. Yeah. We're no. We're no different. You know, tech has evolved over time. We've added. You know, ERP systems, TMS systems, track and trace systems, um, touchless bill of lading systems, Power BI reporting, data lakes, all of that stuff continues to come at us very fast and furiously. Like, um, is it is it perfect? Is it harmonized? Not always, um, but we've, we've struggled and we've overcome all of those little gaps. So now we have the ability that, you know, things that happened yesterday, we could have line of sight to them today. Um, and if there is a particular lane that is starting to misbehave or a carrier that's struggling a little bit with, with service, we have some visibility to it. And then we have people assigned to go ahead and have a conversation, see yeah. if we can get things back on track. Yeah. Um, we also thought that, you know, I, I called it lane management. You could call it lane forecasting, um, whatever terminology. But through some of our relationships with people in the industry, we we know that most of the volume that a shipper provides a carrier during the RFP process has a lot of inaccuracies uh, to the point where, it, does it even matter? Well, why do you even bother giving me this? Because it, you know, I can't model after it or engineer after it. We, we took that personally and we've found ways to tie our demand planning signals that drive our manufacturing into our lane projections, which then drives our awards, which then drives compliance. And we have line of sight to how well are we doing at each one of those individual lane levels. Yeah. And yeah, you know, once again, you know, if we get 80 percent of them harmonized, then we may be a little bit better off in terms of managing our contract rates.
0: Yeah. Do you Um. you just talked a little bit about demand signals when it when it comes to, you know, what's what's happening around site supply chain outside of transpiration? obviously what we're going through in the economy today how do you empower um you know whether it's new folks coming in or your existing team to leverage and seek out information that is you know economic in- indicators market insights seeking that out right probably doesn't come natural in the day to day of transportation and the the hustle and and what we're dealing with how do you empower them to seek that out right and make sure that that's a that's a priority. In yeah, it's, I
1: was I was fortunate. I was uh, you know I was an economics major, so I didn't know. <laughs> um, so so I you know I, I really think there's it's an interesting subject. And then when I got into this last go around with transportation, I, I started to talk to a lot of other folks in the industry about how economic indicators and in, in where consumers spend their dollars have an influence on transportation demand. And then it sometimes goes back to just basic laws of economics, supply and demand when, when there's a lot of requirements to move stuff and perhaps we don't have as many drivers and prices go up. And mm-hmm. right now we're in the inversion because a lot of people are still out traveling and that's where their money's going and it doesn't take as many trucks. Uh, so it's taken us a while to get people to appreciate how the economy and the transportation, they're almost one in the same. Mm-hmm. Um, And to look at the right indices. And we've over time, we've honed it down to maybe four or five indices that we feel are fairly leading indicators of what might happen next. Now, when it might happen, it's uncertain, but at least there is a plan on the shelf that when it does start to show its hand, here are the steps that we believe would be able to uh, counteract any of those changes.
0: Yeah and um you know talking about sort of the economic side um side of things and 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 where we're headed um what would be something that that you say um, lessons learned, right? You, you said, you know, you obviously um, last, last. you said Friday is the last day, right?
1: Next Friday. Next
0: next Friday. I'm sorry. I don't know if that's a, I don't know, probably good and bad. Both sides. <laughs> but what would you say, what we say is a lesson learned Um, that, that, that you want to make sure uh, that you think is something valuable to think back that you're like, this is a lesson we've learned that's valuable today in five years from now. Five years from now, that's the lesson that you would say is. Key well, lesson that we I, I
1: think the key lesson, and if you're in the transportation space, you know, You've been through a lot in the last five years. It's, it's been just a not, it's been some of the most exciting and rewarding times for me personally, although it's been a lot of long hours. Um, what I would say is that you know, we are in this lull um, of we actually do have incremental supply. So the pressure's not on as bad if you're a shipper. Um, go ahead and make sure that you assess how good are you at doing what you're doing. Because right now, are you, are you good at it or are you just getting lucky because you're, you're riding the market? And the lesson learned would be don't try and implement a whole lot of stuff when it hits the fan again, if you guys know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Um, because you know, you, you know now's the time to evolve into a better supply chain, into a better transportation group. Whereas I've been in situations where you had to have um, a revolution of change very quickly uh, because you were, you were so far behind. And that that would be my key lesson learned is that, you know, now is a time to do something, whether you've got the right people, whether there's solutions in the room next door, um, whether you've got the right levels of relationship with your key strategic partners. You know, take advantage of it now while you can. And who knows, a year from now, it may come in really handy if things get uh, perhaps, you know, follow the cycles that are predicted.
0: Yeah is, is that something being proactive in times like this and preparing for the future? Is that something that you think, um, there's, there's executive and C-suite buy-in on the transportation logistics side?
1: You know, many of us who are in the shipping community have to constantly like re- remind, um, the C-suite, the senior leaders, just how, how complicated logistics is and how much it can impact the bottom line. And, um, you tend to get more attention when there's more pressure, mm-hmm. but then you are really unable to influence anything immediately. So it, it does put a lot on the, on the shipping side of that and the logistic people to do, do what they can now while it is calm to make sure that they still are still getting their fair share of, of attention and perhaps funding if needed uh, because you're building in that resiliency. And I think you'll, you'll see resiliency as a theme uh, going forward is that that's how you survive when the markets go against you.
0: Yeah. And, and you've seen the evolution to, to supply chain and transportation really become, uh, have a seat at the table. Uh, so to say. Um, has Have you seen that change um, over the last year or so uh, as things have potentially slowed down a li- ri- little bit, right? And there's not been as much frustration or urgency around things? Or
1: I think it varies by industry. I, ha- I have a somewhat theory that if you're in consumer products, goods, your cost of transportation probably has a bigger impact on your bottom line. If you're maybe on the technology side where, you know, a truckload of something is very expensive and the transportation price is an, it's inconvenient, but you do it. Um, yeah. You know, CPG companies might be more aggressively looking for solutions, but it's not to say that everybody in the room, regardless of what industry you're in, shouldn't be looking at ways to take that money out. Because the way, you know, if you think about a company's PL, the less that you spend on the logistics side, you can turn over to the, the commercial side and they can reinvest it in developing brand, growing the brand. Uh, so, no need to spend any incremental money if you don't have to.
0: Yeah. Oh. So, what will we need to do to make sure that we retain that seat at the table, right? Because we we all know that that's critical in in today's times, or even as as things change in the future. What's critical to make sure that we retain that seat at the table as a supply chain community?
1: Well, and you guys are all supply chain professionals, so I mean, when you when you go back to your you know your home bases, just make sure that you're being heard. Um, you have, I, I know in a lot of our the companies, the, the commercial side or the finance side is really at that point, but continue to remind them the importance of logistics. And the way I always think about it is, is that there's so much hard work went to getting a product basically to a warehouse. Um, And it it would be terrible to see it not get to the customer when you promised because you kind of underinvested in that last critical segment of the supply chain.
0: Yeah. Well, thank you so much. Thank you so much for choosing Cleveland over (laughs) over (laughs) London, Uh, Rob. Thank you so much for having us. Thank you. Thanks, Laura.